Hello and welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we're tackling Season 7, Episode 9, Deadly Silence. The original air date for this episode was November 18th, 1991. It was directed by William Garrity, and it was written by Brad Radnitz, who I think did the the uh, UFO episode, okay, and uh, also possibly the Arsenic and Old Lace episode. I think that was okay, his two contributions. So uh, what was that? Faith, Hope, and Charity? Yeah. I like that you refer to that as the Arsenic and Old Lace episode, though. That makes me happy. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, why don't we describe this episode in brief? Well, in this episode, MacGyver has been contacted by a star of the silent film era, who's looking to have his films preserved by the Phoenix Foundation, only to get wrapped up in a revenge murder plot. Yes. Because uh, all these people are, are 70 years older than they were when they were in making films. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know it's, what the age of people... It's a little odd. Yeah. Um, it starts off with uh, MacGyver at the home of Pinky Burnett. And, Who he uh, is, I guess, just personal friends with, and he's at the house watching yeah, some films that he I just guess. Found. Like he, they, there seems to be already some camaraderie, but it also uh-huh. seems like very casual. I mean, MacGyver's at his house eating popcorn. Like it, it seems like yeah, he they're was, just kind of chilling, watching his old movies. Yeah. Um, Pinky, of course, is being played by Henry Gibson. Right. Who, who we had before as drive-through patron, but but that was kind of a joke along with all the other cameos in that episode. Um, yeah, this is a this is an official Henry Gibson appearance. Uh, yeah, and he he at different points in the, in the episode is kind of playing the part of each of the three clowns of silent film, because there's Harold Lloyd references. Yeah, there's Buster Keaton references, and there's Charlie Chaplin references. Oh yeah, total. Yeah, we'll, when we'll get into each of them as they occur, but uh, uh, there's yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the film they're watching is just one of uh, Pinky's old films. And he uh, mentions that the co-star, the female co-star of the film, is a woman named Violet Meredith. Right. Who actually got a credit on the show. You know, surprise. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. For a non-speaking part. Um, and she's really only seen in this one moment. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I was like, I thought maybe maybe there was something that was cut. Uh, like a flashback yeah, that makes sense. or yeah. something. Yeah. But, uh She's played by Zoe Trilling, um, and uh, Pinky obviously has some kind of a history with her. He said that uh, he talks about how he and uh, his partner were both kind of in love with her at the same time. Right. But meanwhile, while they're watching the film, a, tr- a pickup truck pulls up outside, with uh, and two men start making their way uh, into the house, uh, breaking into the upstairs. Yeah, in broad daylight. Yeah, in mass. And it's not... It's not clear what brought them to the home. Especially at this like moment. They, yeah. Yeah. But I guess just recently, like maybe earlier today, Pinky found a briefcase uh, in his attic that was full of the some film. old films yeah. that he didn't realize he had. And I, I don't know if he just put a sign out in his front yard that said, come in and watch them with me. Yeah. <laughs> That's why MacGyver pulled over. But um, it's weird that these guys decided on this day to break in right. in the middle of the day instead of waiting till night and taking the stuff probably without incident. Yeah, from an old man. Yeah. 
when he was alone, especially. Exactly. Not not when there's a, another person there. Yeah, there's another vehicle in the way that have to booby trap. Yeah. He only yeah. had time to booby trap one, though. Well, I know. I guess he don't. He, he does kind booby of, trap yeah. both, huh? Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, so uh, Pinky talks about his associate uh, Carl Banky, who was like a pioneer in the in visual effects and uh, using like remote control detonators and props and stunts and. But yeah, these two guys pull up outside the house, and it's the middle of the day. And there's another car in the driveway, and right. yet they're still coming in to try and take this stuff from the guy. No, I mean, granted, they are—they do have the element of surprise, and they are armed, but it's still a very bold act. Uh, Maybe they even have more element of surprise because they're doing it during the day. Because yeah. <laughs> if ever... I heard a sound at night, I would be like, oh, no, someone's breaking in. But if I heard a sound during the day, I'd be like, oh, something fell over upstairs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And plus, they do have a lot set up that needs to be done today. Yeah. Um, so I guess they, I guess like just dealing with MacGyver is gonna just gonna have to go with go with the flow. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, Zoe Trilling, who uh, played Violet Meredith, was also Shirley in Leprechaun Three, which means this is the second episode in a row with someone from the Leprechaun franchise. Nice. Um, I believe. <laughs> um, well, we'll get into it because I know you're gonna be very excited to to talk about an actor who will be coming up. Um. Trying to figure out which one. Yeah. Is it uh, someone who plays Neil? Uh, the actor who plays no, Neil? No, uh, the, other, the, other, uh, the other character. I don't know if I have that one. Oh. Oh, yeah. are you talking about uh, Carl? Yeah, because of, okay, uh, of yes. a particular film that he was in. Very important From the 21st credit. century. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, the two men are upstairs, and they start making their way downstairs as uh, Pinky is getting ready to hand over all of his films to MacGyver to take to the Phoenix Foundation for restoration before presentation. Yeah. And uh, that's when the two men kind of, like, surprise them. Although, they're wearing masks. I guess they would need to wear masks at this point. Uh, yeah. But... Uh, uh, Certainly one of them would not be recognized. And if the plan is to kill them, then masks shouldn't be necessary. But right. um, So uh, they uh, forcefully take the films away from Pinky and MacGyver at gunpoint. Now, MacGyver complies with their orders completely and lays on the floor. Yeah. But Pinky is just like, no, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. And, and he uh, thinks he recognizes the voice. Correct. Yeah, he, he, he thinks he recognizes... His former partner Carl Banky, who is right. dead at this point, um, they yeah. they had mentioned that he is dead. Uh, but even even to to hammer home the point that this is Carl, before Pinky is clobbered with the back of the gun, uh, the man in the mask says, "You never could take direction, could you?" And then smacks him Pinky over the head. So that's yeah. even more of the implication that this is the person that Pinky suspects it to be. Right. Uh, just as the, the pickup truck starts to make their getaway, they set off a bunch of uh, squibs, like, all over the place. And apparently they had yeah. them already in the house um, and on the windows. To... Yeah, it's, I don't even understand the ones on the windows, though, because there's clearly nothing on the windows. Yeah. Uh, and the windows are just getting holes punched in them. Yeah. And uh, there's no gunfire. There's no sound of gunfire. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, and at this point, they, they have taken off their masks. And uh, yeah. we see that uh, the two characters 
uh, one played by Tommy Hinckley, who plays the character of Neil, who, right. who seems to be some kind of surfer, gone security guard, gone murderer. Um, yeah. Not quite sure of his whole role in this. Uh, he's, uh, he, he's played by Tommy Hinckley, who played a character called Mr. Carrington in The Secret World of Alex Mack in an episode. I'm assuming that's uh, a teacher. That would be my guess also. Yeah, I mean, um, he also played uh, producer number two in a film called I Killed My Lesbian Wife, Hung Her on a Meat Hook, and Now I Have a Three-Picture Deal at Disney. <laughs> which is directed by someone named Ben Affleck. <laughs> it's actually the Ben Affleck. It's his directorial debut. What? <laughs> yeah. It's a short film. Oh god, I we need to get a copy of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he also. I also did. I also see he played a reporter in uh, Generations. Oh, that's possible. I, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, the other character uh, who is the suspected Carl Banke is played by yes. Frederick Coffin, who I think obviously most people would recognize right. as. Parker Wyndham from Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century. <laughs> I'm glad there was at least one more after I said that that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, I, I, I got more excited when I saw it. I was like, oh, my God, that's going to have so much fun. Um, I recognized him um, as Officer Koharski from the uh, film Wayne's World, which, right, yeah. oddly enough, would be one year later. Oh, really? Yeah. Wayne's World is That's only funny. Wayne's World is probably filming while this episode is airing. That's crazy. So how how weird is that as far as like how old MacGyver is versus my my interpretation of how old Wayne's World is? See, TV like, always seems like it's taking place a decade earlier than film. Yeah, exactly. So like, and if I remember when Wayne's World came out, to me MacGyver would have been over for like four years or five years before that. Um, yeah. And they even mentioned Terminator Two later in this movie. It was, and it's yeah. just like. What what year is this? Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, before the truck driver pulls, the, the, before the two guys uh, pull off, he throws like the remote detonator that he used, which is an old piece of looking technology. Uh, yeah, looks like it's a, like it's got a big like radio wire around. Yeah, it, like a theremin or something. Broadcasting. Yeah, but it's it's weird because it seems like this is an interesting piece of equipment that you would use to detonate these things remotely. And he just kind of throws it in the yard, like, eh, whatever it did. Yep. The one thing I needed it to do, screw this thing. And he throws it in the yard. But I mean, they must've done it on purpose as a clue, right? I think so. I think, I think this is all part of the elaborate setup that, yeah. uh, that Carl has in mind. So, um, as MacGyver and Pinky head out, as, as we just said, that they recognized the piece of technology. And yeah. uh, it's even got the studio logo on the back of it. Now the yeah, studio it says two star studios. Yeah, uh, the studio is long closed. However, they still use the back lot um, for locations. Right. So, I mean, and we're assuming that this is the Paramount back lot, right? Although it looks like it's more in the mountains. Uh, you know what? Honestly, a lot of the the back, like the Wild West looking back lot, looked to me like Paramount Ranch. Yeah, uh, which, which is, is now. Yeah. Which is now like part of that park, right? Yeah, it's like a national park, but, um, I, and I don't know for sure that it is. There's some angles where I'm like, okay, that's obviously not Paramount Ranch. Yeah. But there were, there were a few of like down the main street and I was like, I don't know if they shot this in a couple places. Right, right. 
but um, but, but I mean, yeah. like for when 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 we went there, like so many of the buildings were changed and different and gone. Uh, yeah, because when they shot the Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman TV movies, they like completely rebuilt the the whole area. Yeah. Uh, so they both, uh, you know, Pinky wants to go on alone. Uh, of course, MacGyver, his first instinct is to call the police. Right. Um, uh, but uh, I can't remember why Pinky said that wouldn't work. Because uh, I think it would have. <laughs> um, uh, does he say it wouldn't work, or does he just try and sneak away and drive off on his well, own? Well, he tries to convince MacGyver that it's not an, it won't be enough. Oh, oh, I think his excuse is by the time the police get there, they'll have my, all my films will have been they'll burned. Already, yeah, because he knows that burning the films matters more to him than anything else. Yeah. So, so MacGyver says, "All right, all right. Well, let's go. We'll go after him together." And they get in. That's when they pile into MacGyver's jeep, uh, only to have the tires immediately explode. All four. Yeah. Yeah. Quadruple blowout. And uh, before, like, he can even really figure out what happened, Pinky's already, like, running full speed for his other car. Yeah. Oh, and and by full speed, we mean, like, it, I almost wonder if they, like, they somehow, like, bound Henry Gibson's uh, legs together, like, in a weird way, because he's, like, shuffling running. He's, like, he can't... Well, the whole... It, throughout the episode, it seems like he, in preparation for this role, watched a lot of silent films yeah. and tried to move the way a character does in a silent film. Mm. But his waddle is almost reminiscent of the Chaplin, like, tramp character, like, yeah. wiggling down the yard. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, yeah, as he grabs, gets into his car, MacGyver immediately is expecting it to explode. Yeah. And he just cringes and closes his eyes. Um, yeah, but it's, I like that. Instead of, like, trying to rescue Henry Gibson or get there to, like, put... Put that put out whatever fire is about to happen. He just closes his eyes and plugs his ears. Like yeah. I just don't want to hear the explosion. <laughs> it's like that. Uh, um, you, you, did you see Hot Tub Time Machine? Yeah. Yeah. Where Crispin Glover keeps getting into these situations where they. Where oh, they and think, they keep waiting to see where he lost his arm. Yeah, and they keep seeing like when he's stuck in the elevator. It's like, oh god, it's like a guillotine in slow motion. <laughs> 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 but he gets it back in. Yeah, yeah. He always like manages to get it. And they just he keep keeps going, Come not on, losing man. Arm. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really funny joke. Uh, it's even funnier just that it's Crispin Glover. I, I love. Yeah. I love the the roles that he chooses to play. You know. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, MacGyver jumps into Pinky's car since it's fine; it doesn't explode. Uh, and uh. They make it as far as uh, they look like they're up in one of the Santa Monica Canyon roads, like Decker Canyon or Malibu Canyon, uh, yeah. when the car finally breaks down. And they they see that the radiator is uh, smoking heavily, and MacGyver is able to determine that sulfuric acid had been poured into the radiator, slowly right. ate out the radiator lining and housing until uh, the car just overheated. Yeah. Uh, and but luckily, it. Luckily, it died within walking distance of the ranch. Walking distance, again, especially for Pinky, who is old. Yeah. Uh, so all this is, like, elaborately planned out. Yeah. It kind of reminded me, too, of the, um, was it, it was Three for the Road, I think, where the car breaks down kind of in the middle of nowhere, but they're close enough to this fake old Wild West town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they kind of walk to it. Well, they, they there, push the but... car, they roll the car down the hill. Uh, and yeah, then, but which the, they do in in both episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but the villain's car breaks down. Why did the villain's car break down? 
In in this? In three for the road. Or in three the three for the road it broke down because MacGyver set a trap so they would basically the, roll the car. That's right, that's right. Uh so they walk to the ranch, the studio ranch now, and Carl and Neil are both walking uh watching from a, like a high window. Uh Carl just refers that to what he wants is what is his. He wants what's his. Uh, yeah. To that, at this point, we don't know what that is. But his yeah. plan is to scare Pinky to death because he knows about Pinky's heart condition. Right. And Pinky's taking the same nitro pills that uh, that the pilot from Final Approach was taking yeah. before he had his heart attack in the in the cockpit. Yeah. And I kept thinking, all right, MacGyver's going to use these nitro pills to make something. Yeah, as like, some kind of a weapon. Yeah. Mortar uh, and pestle it into an explosive. Uh, but uh, that never happened. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I guess it's just not in the cards today. <laughs> it's like every yeah. time or I see maybe, something. Maybe they don't actually make uh, pills for your heart that actually explode. Maybe that's <laughs> probably a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's weird, like that. That nitro is what they give you for art. My grandfather has them. He has to carry them on him just in case. Because as soon as you you start feeling like you have a heart attack, you have to take it. Um, yeah. But it's such a tiny, tiny pill. It's a super small dose, but I guess it's enough. And I guess yeah. it like instantly gets into your bloodstream um, and starts oh, like opening up your uh, vessels. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. It's like I always wonder about medicine and things like that. Like. Well, let's just keep giving people different things and see if it helps them in situations. Yeah. How about nitroglycerin? What if I ingest these explosives? <laughs> I mean, it worked for the Joker. <laughs> Dark Knight. Uh, uh, they find the pickup truck, which, of course, is empty. And uh, MacGyver decides to go and look around on his own and asks Pinky to stay put as if he would. Um, yeah. And even MacGyver, as he's walking away, kind of looks like, I don't think he's going to listen to me. Uh, but that's when MacGyver kind of goes around a corner and Pinky notices that in a nearby soundstage that there's a, a lot of smoke, smoke billowing. billowing out. Yeah. yeah. So he immediately just runs into the, runs into the fire, assuming that it's his films that's, that are yeah. being burnt. Um, but of course, it's just a fog machine, an old fog machine. Everything in this studio is like, is dated to the silent film era. Right, yeah. Uh, uh, and as he enters the soundstage, a spotlight, like, comes on, like, again, a really old spotlight that's, like, has, like, igniters to try to get the bulb to, to go off first. Yeah, yeah. And a big old vent to, to pipe out the heat. Man, I gotta imagine, like, back in those days, those lights were so hot. I can't, yeah. even, I can't even imagine how hot those lights were. I think all that equipment has since been donated to uh, CSUN. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> cameras were all from, like, the 30s and 40s. Got to crank them. Yeah. Um, no, you're going too fast. <laughs> um, it's funny. Like, when I filmed my, my student project, my friend actually had a camera from the 1920s, a Bell & Howell wind-up. Oh, yeah? A wind-up uh, two-reel. It was, like... A reel on the top and the bottom, and the, the lens was in the middle of it. Yeah, Like yeah. a figure eight. Um, and so I had to learn how to load it and seal it up, and then uh, in the dark, obviously. Right, right. Um, and then uh, wind it up and film it, uh, film stuff with it. Yeah. Did I ever show you that crazy. film, that, that stupid film about Patrick McGrath golfing? 
I think I think you did yeah. actually. Uh, well, anyway, it's a f I like it. That was like the third time yeah. we shot because the first time we tried to shoot, it was when the uh, fires were going on and. Uh, yeah, and it was so smoky. Yeah. And dark. It was like this isn't working out, guys. Plus, we're all outside gagging <laughs> and coughing on the smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, Pinky spots the suitcase up on a catwalk, very high up. And so he yeah. starts climbing a ladder after it, and MacGyver then kind of makes his way back and sees the fog machine blowing the smoke out of the soundstage and figures that's where yeah. Pinky went. But, as soon, but, but, but by the time he gets to the soundstage, Pinky's well up onto the catwalk and right. shuffling his way towards the suitcase. Again, looking very much like Charlie Chaplin here. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver uh, starts trying to call to him and to tell him to stop, but when he doesn't stop, he's forced to climb up after him. Right. Um, and as soon as Pinky gets to the suitcase, I love this, he opens it up and a bunch of rubber snakes are spring-loaded and fire out at him. And he yeah. flips out. And falls yeah, off the Yeah, he's like, edge. ah, snakes! And then he <laughs> rolls off the side of the catwalk. Um, but just in time, MacGyver is there to grab him and, uh, and pull him back up. And of yeah. course, he says, they're rubber snakes, Pinky, they're not real. But they did make a hissing noise for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> it was I'm just added in post. I, I'm assuming it's the, um, the pneumatics of the spring-loaded yeah. trap. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, so when that plan doesn't work, Neil... Neil Neil gets on Carl's case a lot in this episode about his plans yeah. not working. He's like, dude, your plan totally didn't work. And he's friggin' channeling <laughs> Bill S. Preston and Ted yeah. Theodore Logan. Uh, <laughs> Esquire. <laughs> Bill is Esquire. Yeah, Bill is Esquire. I, I didn't know he was an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he is. Uh, so uh, while they're both on the catwalk, Carl then blows the supports for the catwalk away, which causes them to fall and grab onto the one remaining uh, piece of the catwalk. And now they're dangling like Harold Lloyd. And MacGyver uses his amazing leg strength again. Yeah. He's like, to, to catch Pinky on his way down the same way that he, he picked up uh, Mr. Bartlett in the, uh, yeah. in the wastelands. And don't forget Merlin, just all that recently. Yeah. Like using his upper arm strength to hold up the weight of him and another old man. <laughs> yeah. He can hold exactly one old man. But they're pretty cool stunts. And actually, we didn't mention it before, but in the silent films they're watching, there's like recreations of like the famous Buster Keaton stunt where the, the whole facade of the front of the building comes off and yeah. falls down around him. Yeah. And yeah. they recreated the stunt pretty, pretty capably. I thought, yeah. I thought well, they did a good job with it. Well, they do it twice in this episode, too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But that the first time when they do it as a part of that silent film, like, yeah. I was just like, oh, wow, they actually bothered to build that whole thing. And it looks like they actually dropped it around an actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's got to be such a dangerous stunt. you got to know exactly where to stand and exactly not to move in any one direction, you know? Well, even when Buster Keaton did it, it hit him in the arm and, like, messed up his arm. Yeah. Like, you can see it in the video. And it's a it's a much heavier wall there than it was... You know, when they were doing it for MacGyver. Right. And actually, uh, to his credit, uh, Tom Green did the same stunt in Freddy Got Fingered towards the end. There's a part where the front of the building comes off and falls down around him. And the studio said he wasn't allowed to do the stunt. And they were like, sorry, we can't insure you if you do the stunt. So 
there's there's nothing we can do about it. You're not going to be able to do that stunt, and he did it anyway. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, so MacGyver and uh, our Pinky are dangling, and so MacGyver asks Pinky to hand him up his Swiss Army knife from his pocket. Yeah. Once again, referencing like uh, Goodnight MacGyver, where yeah he asked Merlin for the Swiss Army knife, um, and uh, but this time he uses the knife portion rather than the right. uh, the the corkscrew portion. Um, then he asked Pinky for his wallet, and he's like. Yeah. Are you trying to help me or are you trying to rob me? <laughs> um, but with one move, he's able to stab a hole through that wallet. And yeah. I was like, dang. I don't think I could do that, even with a sharp knife. I um, was. It took me a second to even figure out why the wallet was necessary for this plan. Um, I'm still not sure. I mean, I kind of get like the leverage aspect of it. But... Uh, because because well, why don't you explain explain it since we're about to get into it? Well, basically, yeah, they they he basically he punches the pocket knife through the center of the wallet, and then when they let go of the the railing that they're still holding onto, he punches it into a sheet from like this backdrop that's on the wall, and they slide down with MacGyver holding the knife in the wall. Yeah, and it's slowing their descent because it has to tear through this whole sheet all the way down. Mm -hmm. But it seems like the point of the wallet is to keep the knife flush against the wall so that it doesn't just fall back out on the other side. Okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Because or so that his hand doesn't go the whole way through. Right, because right, right. He, he needed like a bigger flat surface so that the knife would stop instead of him just punching his whole arm yeah, through the wall. That makes sense. Um, I love when the Goonies, when like Sloth and Chunk are watching the, 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 the I think it's called the Seahawk is the film that they're watching. Um, yeah. And uh, when they when they recreate it later on in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with the obviously not Jeff Cohen on the back of the stuntman doing it. Like, because, yeah. like everything is like a dummy. Like when like Sloth rescues uh, uh, Corey Feldman and Martha Plimpton off the, the plank, it's like two dummies of them. It's like, yeah. you, I never noticed how bad it was until I saw it again as an adult. I was like, <laughs> oh man, those are definitely not them. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like a frog dog. Yeah. <laughs> stuffed stuffed animal. character. Uh, uh, so, and then when they land at the bottom, like I think he credits it as like, oh, that's the stunt from that movie that Douglas Fairbanks Jr. did or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I think it was, a, it was a heavily used pirate sailing ship themed kind of stunt yeah uh, but uh neil is super impressed with macgyver <laughs> like, yeah he's, he's like whoa uh and uh, of course carl is less than pleased and then pushes a button which i guess locks all the doors of the soundstage yeah um and then uh another suitcase comes down on a wire and macgyver even asks how many suitcases did they make <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then he points out that it's like a prop from a movie, so he's like, "Oh yeah, they made a bunch of duplicates." Yeah. Um, but as soon as they go for the suitcase, uh, a net drops down from above them, and uh, crazy purple knockout gas comes out of the suitcase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I can believe everything that's happening up to this point, to the point where Carl has James Bond esque knockout gas at his disposal. Yeah. Um, and that he was prepared for them to survive falling off of this catwalk. Yeah. Like, like the, what the, is the point had, of that? He had the you didn't even know there was going to be a second person helping Henry Gibson here. Yeah. 
But he had the contingency plan of gassing him. Yeah. I really like how Pinky predictably is falling for all of Carl's traps. Like, Carl knows yeah. him so well that he knows if he just keeps putting the suitcase out, he'll just keep going to it like Tom after Jerry. Like, he'll just yeah. keep charging at it no matter what. Because he knows the one that he doesn't go for is going to be the one with all the film in it. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver and Pinky are knocked out, and they um, they come to on the set of uh, Joe Bob Briggs's Monster Vision trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's such like this obviously fake desert backdrop. Um, yeah. Uh, and they're tied to a set of railroad tracks. Yeah. Which Pinky recognizes. But they're looking up and there should be no stars above them. There yeah. Should be... There should be, it should be not cold, which yep. it would be in the desert at night. <laughs> it yeah. should be like probably still really actually warm from being in a soundstage. While they're on the tracks, they immediately start hearing the sounds of an approaching train. Right. Well... And again, I would immediately know that this is fake because I would not feel any vibrations whatsoever yeah. in the rails. And I think, isn't that Which, what tips MacGyver off at first? Not the fact that it's very clear where they are. Um, well, I think the, the tip is that MacGyver's feet are shuffling and he's able to feel oh, yeah. the hardwood floor. He can kick the That's dirt around until he off. feels the, the ground of what is probably a soundstage. Right. Uh, they're um, getting the and Mr. Toad illusion, I call it. Yeah, um, but instead of immediately telling Pinky that this is another trick, that's a soundstage, he says he just keeps telling Pinky to stay with him and to hang on, yeah, and to not panic. It's like, just tell him it's fake. Yeah. Then he will do all of those things you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but instead, the train approaches and starts getting louder and louder, and, and Pinky can no longer hear what MacGyver is saying. Right. Uh, until Pinky completely passes out presumably from a heart attack yeah uh and uh so the fake train passes by pinky's out and when macgyver keeps trying to wake pinky he's not coming out of it so carl thinks he's his plan has succeeded but then pinky starts coming to again uh he did not have yeah. a heart attack he just passed out from the fear yeah uh but this should have killed him if he has a weak heart. Yeah, at this point, this should have killed him. Like, if... I I don't know what they could have done beyond this point. Because mm -hmm. uh, their next... Other than just kill him. Yeah. <laughs> they already tried to drop him from three stories up. Tried to tried to scare him with snakes, drop him from three stories, now scare him with a train. Or, or, or make the gas suffocating knockout gas. Yeah. Like, have them or just get, poison. Yeah, just chlorine, pure chlorine. Yeah. Uh, so uh, now Carl and Neil are forced to up their ante, and they come out directly and face MacGyver and Pinky. Now they're not wearing masks, so they are, yeah. they are committed to murdering them in some fashion. Right. Uh, Carl revere, reveals himself to be Carl Meredith, that the, right. the daughter, uh, the daughter, <laughs> The son <laughs> of Violet Meredith and Carl Banky. But that, yeah. which I thought was weird though, he says, I never took my father's name. It's like, well, you're named Carl. <laughs> I, I, yeah. re I realize he meant his last name, but you did still take his yeah. first name. If you, want, if you hated your father so much, you would have changed your first name too. Yeah. Because right now you have the same name as your dad. Well, he doesn't really even seem that he hates him, he just wants the money that his. He, yeah. he felt like his father was wronged. Uh, 
and, and the fact that but he But it's never, like, who cares? If you hate your father so much, then you should be happy that he was wronged. Yeah. And, like, he explains that Violet and Carl marry each other in secret so that the people would think that they were still single. But, yeah. but Carl never needed to pretend to be single because he was a, a visual effects artist. Yeah. Like, like, no one's, like, going after that sexy visual effects artist. Yeah. Uh, uh, sorry. Sorry, VFX guys. <laughs> <laughs> you, sit, you sit in a computer all day. Yeah. Um, no, they're, they're very handsome. Men and women. And, and uh, important. Uh, but, yeah, so he wants the money that he feel was taken because he believes that Pinky ran up all these debts. But Pinky argues, no, it was your father who ran up the debts because he kept trying to push the technology of the right. visual effects. Uh, an odd pairing for, like, um, Steve Jobs, which is one of yeah, the reasons yeah, yeah. they outed him is because it originally at Apple was, dude, you're spending too much money on these R&D projects. We need to, like, make money, yeah. then do R&D, not just keep pump yeah. pumping money into other things. Yeah. Um, uh, but... Uh, Carl really isn't interested, I guess, in, in listening to what Pinky has to say. Yeah, he's more interested in just his end goal, which is money. Yeah. Um, so uh, they take Pinky and MacGyver o over to this uh, partially drained, but not completely, um, uh, like underwater stunt filming tank that's nearby. Right, which, yeah. Which does look like a legitimate like filming tank that must be on the Paramount or another I lot. I think it is the Paramount lot because yeah. actually... The next episode also starts on the Paramount lot. Mm -hmm. And the last scene of this is blatantly on the Paramount lot to the point that there's actually a sign up for the Paramount yeah, lot. Yeah. So I th I'm pretty sure that this is just on the lot. Well, and it, it's kind of curious. I, I, I wonder if they fill, filled this with warmer water or how cold this water was. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously the last time we had MacGyver completely in water was the... Uh, the, the submarine. Yeah, the... Uh, Undercover deep, or deep cover? Deep cover, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that even said that it was a warm water tank. Yeah. Uh, which I thought, which I still couldn't find any precedent why they would yeah. use a warm water tank for anything. But there is a huge tank on the Paramount lot, like right in front of the parking lot. But this is obviously not that tank. Right. Um, so it's, it's, when I said it's partially drained, I mean, it's not drained enough where they can stand, but it's drained mm -hmm. enough where they can't get to the ledges. Yeah. Except for the ledges of the windows that are on the sides, which I don't know yeah. why they don't do that immediately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the plan is to leave them in this tank of water until they drown. Even though... Right. I mean, I don't know. I can float on my back for a very long time. I, yeah. I, I, I don't really see... I think it's more likely you would die of exposure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, like, I mean, it, you know, your clothes would obviously pr provide a lot of weight, but, you know... If you, if you had to choose between dying or stripping down to your underwear, uh, you know, I would do that and just, yeah. and just gently float on my back until someone's going to come eventually. Yeah. Uh, I would hope. <laughs> but, uh, but they assume, Carl and Neil assume that they will die within minutes, which yeah. I, I just don't find to be real. Because they don't know how water works. Yeah. Um, so uh, they drive away to go get the films, and, like, their plan is to... We'll come back here when they're dead in a couple of minutes. Uh, so MacGyver and Pinky are treading water, which Pinky says he can't do for very long. 
again, right. there are windows in this tank that have interior ledges they could totally could grab hold on onto. To. There, yeah. Right by MacGyver, there's some kind of, like, emergency exit door with, like, yeah. watertight seal hatches that have handles. Could have grabbed onto yeah. those handles. Yep, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But MacGyver's plan is to see if Pinky can grab a hose. And I guess, I don't really know what MacGyver's thought was, if maybe Pinky could climb the rope at first before it break. Yeah. Um, so Pinky treads water above MacGyver. MacGyver sinks down and just kind of jumps up from the bottom of the water with Pinky on his shoulders to give him enough leverage to get out of the water to grab the hose, the yeah. filling hose for the tank. Yeah. Which immediately comes loose from his other end. Yeah. Um, but MacGyver then takes the hose and immediately starts going over to the edge of the tank. So I feel like this was part of his plan, was that the hose would break. Yeah, um, that he was counting on it falling down low enough for him to just use it to climb. Yeah. Um, but uh, MacGyver then takes his boot off and throws it over the edge of the tank to try to lasso the, the rope ladder that Neil had thrown conveniently to the other side in front of a window. Yeah. Instead of just piling it up on the top, or which I still think yeah. MacGyver could have gotten, even if it was just piled on the top, he could have just kept yeah. throwing the boot until he got it. So I honestly think that MacGyver spends his, like all of his nights and weekends just kicking his shoes at things. Yeah, like practicing shoe accuracy. And because what we had Holy Rose, we had uh, uh, Obsessed, the Hood, the Hood. Oh yeah, dang, he's good at this. He's really good at yeah. this. Uh. Uh, so, uh, they're able to get the rope ladder and, uh, climb out of the tank while Carl and Neil are on their way back. Um, and they immediately come and see that the tank is empty. Like yeah. the rope ladder's back down in the tank. There's no one in there. And Neil is just like, all right, dude, it's over. We're doing this with guns and bullets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, I was reading, I can't remember if it was MacGyver Online or uh, one of the other MacGyver pages where they were talking about the, the, high, the high points and the low points. And they were talking, he was talking. Oh, it was about, probably the MacGyver Project. Then. Yeah. He was talking about how Neil is arguably the worst sidekick for a villain yeah. ever. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole time he's like, man, we could be doing this a much smarter way. Yeah. You're being stupid. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver and uh, Pinky hide out in the facade of the ho a hotel on the lot. Right. And Pinky is just basically, I don't think I can run anymore. Uh, yeah. And so MacGyver starts working on his next part of the plan, and he says, Pinky, do you think you could stall them for a couple of minutes? And Pinky brings up oddly enough that he can stand on his head for 15 minutes, um, which he does. Yeah. Um, I can't run anymore, but I can stand on my head for 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, before he leaves, though, he grabs a piece of wood that has several nails hammered into it. Um, yeah. I thought he was going to do something about recreating his uh, the joke from the silent film where he keeps trying to hammer the, the plank into place and it keeps swinging down. <laughs> uh, so Carl and Neil spot Pinky standing on his head. And, yeah. And they go, oh, well... That's weird, but there he is. Um, so yeah. instead of getting out of the car, they just, it looks like they're, their intent is to like either nudge him with the front of the car or to just full on run him over. Because yeah. the, he has the plank of wood really close to himself standing on his head. 
Um, yeah. And they drive the car all the way up to him and then immediately hit the plank of wood, which blows out the tires. Right. Um, and then Pinky, you know, kind of does like his little giggle and, and runs away. Uh, yeah. Claiming that this was revenge for MacGyver's tires. Yeah. Um, and so now Carl and Neil chase after Pinky already to find him like hundreds of feet away standing yeah. next to MacGyver weirdly spaced apart in front of the facade yeah. of this hotel. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're both surrendering. Right. Um, so, and luckily for these two guys, they managed to stand in the optimal place. Cause it seems like Pinky and MacGyver's plan was just to murder them. Yeah. Yeah. So Neil takes charge and he says, all right, because they're both standing with their arms up. He says, I want you to put your arms down because I don't want the medical examiner to see that they died with their arms in the air. It's like, yeah. I don't I don't know if... I don't think that would be determinable. Yeah, you know what would be determinable? The shackles that they put on their wrists. Yeah. Like, because that would leave serious bruises and injuries on their wrists. That would be <laughs> determinable and that would be more more cause for suspicion than their arms being in the air. Yeah. Um, but so as soon as Pinky and MacGyver lower their arms, they both have a rope tied to their wrists, which pulls yeah. the supports out and causes this whole facade to fall forward. Now, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's stunt doubles standing in the, in the openings in the wide shot. But they yeah. do a really convincing side angle of Henry Gibson and MacGyver with the facade just barely falling and air rushing yeah. up around them. That makes it look, yeah. it's cut really, really well. Yeah. Um, but of course, the facade hits, direct hits Neil and Carl. Uh, and yeah, go, but with a window at least. Yeah, it would have been funny had they got right through the window and they're all, yeah. well, it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it missed them completely. Or it just, it just knocked the guns out of their hands. Yeah. Um, I, I don't or know, just I think... the plate glass just sliced the ends of their arms off so they didn't have guns anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but they go right through the facade. Um, yeah. And uh, MacGyver just, of course, runs up and tosses their guns away. Yeah. Um, and uh, Pinky then starts basically losing his mind. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, it's just like the greats. They're all here. Can't you hear them? That's the movie magic. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was like, this guy's lost it. He is literally. Uh oh, we got to get it. Where's your nitro? Where's your nitro, buddy? <laughs> You're having a stroke. Yeah, I don't, something, something's definitely wrong with this guy. Yeah. Um, the uh, Act 5 roundup is, as we said, Pinky is standing out front of the Paramount Theater, all lit up right. at night. Uh, On the actual Paramount lot. Yeah. Um, with uh, just a poster that said, you know, three silence never before seen. And we hear odd laughter and applauding coming in at random increments. Like, who, and I don't know why he's not in there watching the movie with them well, he if he was so proud of this stuff. Well, he says he's too nervous. He thinks that people won't like him. But he can hear them laughing. Yeah. And, and then he says, like, they're laughing at me, not with me. And it's like, no, you're, you're a clown in these movies. They're supposed to be laughing at you. Exactly. But I also think it's weird that the audience keeps applauding at random moments. Like, yeah. It's like, who applauds in the middle of a, an act? Yeah. Just like, oh, ha, 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 clap, clap, clap. Yeah. I laugh at movies all the time, but I never clap. Yeah. Um, but uh, MacGyver, of course, comes out and tells them that these people are, are with you. You know, they're, they, they think you're great. 
you're yeah. you're back on the top of your game. Phoenix Foundation was able to scan these in like a gorgeous high def yeah. scan. Uh, and uh, Pinky also mentions that he got a sweet distribution deal. Yeah, uh, and I, a and a part in a major motion picture. Yeah, um, I I I can imagine him getting a part in a picture, but ha getting a sweet distribution deal for three silent films seems a little odd. See, I I feel the opposite way. I think the sweet distribution deal makes more sense because if like Charlie Chaplin found some old films, I bet you Criterion would be like, we want to release these as yeah. an exclusive, and I we're mean, going to pay you a lot of money for it. It, but is that the implication that he is as famous as Harold Lloyd, Buster Keaton, and Char Charlie Chaplin? I, I thought that was kind of okay. the implication. But right. um, but the part that makes less sense to me is that they would take this guy and be like, wow, you made a really good movie 60 years ago. Yeah. Do you want to play the main character of a movie that's coming out next year? <laughs> it's like, what? No, it's not necessarily the same person. Well, I always thought of it as maybe more of a, a Mad 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 World kind of situation. Oh, okay. Where they got all these old radio and TV and uh, theater vaudeville actors to, yeah, to play yeah. random appearances in the movies. Was Henry Gibson in that movie? I don't <laughs> he think. Might have been. No, I no. think he he would have probably been too unknown at the time. At the time, yeah. Uh, but man, that movie is just nonstop. Yeah. Uh, with with the cameos. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the end of this uh, kind of odd little MacGyver tale. Not bad, Yeah. but just, just yeah. peculiar. And I think they actually put a lot of effort into it. I mean, despite the fact that it seems to have been shot almost entirely at the Paramount lot. Yeah. Um, the stunt work is, is legitimate. There's yeah. some impressive stunts. Um, and obviously the cast is fun. And uh, Henry Gibson is just amazing. Yeah. And, and he does a lot of work in this episode. Like, some, like, he does a lot of his own stunt work here. He does... You know, he's running around jumping over bushes and yeah. being a weirdo, but he's a lot of fun. Um, he has he always been such an, like, you know, obviously, like, back in the days, I think it was Laughing that he was on. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, we, we talked about him a lot in um, in uh, the uh, Harry's Will, but, uh, you know, the Burbs and all pretty much all the Joe Dante stuff that you he know, was in. A, a role we neglected to bring up that I've always enjoyed of his was um, in Magnolia when he played the Thurston Howell character who was oh. like at the bar hitting on the bartender Brad all the time. <laughs> and then like William H. Macy gets in an argument with him where he's just like, cause William H. Macy was this like this child prodigy who won all this money on a quiz yeah, show, yeah, but yeah. then his parents took all of it. And, uh, and, and, uh, Henry Gibson tells him that it's dangerous to confuse children with angels. And, and he's like, gets super offended about it. Like William H. Macy says, no, it is not dangerous to confuse children with angels. <laughs> That but, movie uh, is is really good, but yeah. way too long. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Really I, that's that's one of my. I I could probably watch that one forever. I mean, I really like it, and I really like all the little connections and parallels. Obviously, like with William H Macy and the kid who's like in the library studying all that time and right, stressed yeah, out yeah. about it. Um, and I think William H Macy's character was the inspiration for a character on the Venture Brothers, Billy Quizboy. Oh yeah, <laughs> who's like. Who was a kid who made all this money like on quiz shows as a kid, but now he's an adult yeah. and like no one cares about adult prodigies. They only care about child yeah. prodigies. Yeah, whiz kid Donnie Smith. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I really like Magnolia. I just can't. It's it, I just sit there and I feel the length. Yeah, um, yeah. But 
Uh, yeah, Henry Gibson, man, he's he's always great. I think he I think he has since passed away. Uh, you know, I I meant to look that up because I don't remember if he did or not, but I have to assume he did because he really hasn't worked in a long time otherwise. Yeah, he died in two thousand nine. Okay. Because um, no, he was a regular bad. on um, Boston Legal. My my dad and I really enjoy watching Boston Legal a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. And so he was a regular one of the judges who um, his whole thing was the uh, his mother had guilted him his whole life. And so every time you bring up yeah. mothers or because his mother like always said he was a, a, a namsy pamsy or namby pamby. <laughs> like, and so like, yeah, he, he gets really like up uptight if you start saying that people are, are wimps or wusses because it, it, it hits yeah. home with him and he hates it. Yeah. Um, so he was always a fun character <laughs> on the show. <laughs> he got his own episode, too where he wanted to hire James Spader because Henry his his character the judge had gone to a gay reformation camp to to not be gay and it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so you wanted to sue the camp? Yeah. That's actually a f- really funny <laughs> move because like those places should all be shut down anyway, but yeah. it'd be really funny if you just sued them out of existence cuz they don't actually do anything <laughs> other than abuse people. Oh yeah, it, it, it's Boston Legal they, uh, is my favorite of the David E. Kelly shows. It it is just yeah. a really good show. Um, recommend it. I don't think I've seen a single episode of it, but right. I will look into it. Yeah, good stuff. But I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any thoughts on Deadly Silence you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 7, Episode 10, Split Decision. Mm-hmm. We get Dick Butt Kiss back. Yeah. and we'll Another see, Earl Dent episode. We'll see if, if you like it and I hate it. So we have another yeah. Split Decision. Ah, that's good. Uh, uh, thank, thank you for listening. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks.